0: Hello, it's Todd, and here's another edition of Spinning Singles, and uh, it's a Sunday evening on a very hectic weekend, and um, I'm going to break with uh, my usual format, and I'm going to do something different this time, and I'm going to talk about the two record shows that I went to this weekend, one on Saturday and one on Sunday, uh, to look for and buy 45s. And uh, the first show I ended up going to was one that happens about twice a year, but I don't go to it that often because one, it's far away, and two, it's an expensive show as far as prices on records. But I figured it'd be fun to talk about it. So um, been planning this trip for maybe a couple weeks now. and I left early from work on Friday um, being in Laurel. So the show was actually in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I um, got my buddy Steve to come along with me and a little bit about Steve. I've known him since the late 80s when we were working for Waxy Maxis together, which was a record store chain in this area that is no longer around. But at the time, it was a pretty big chain. And uh, Steve is a very, very uh, knowledgeable person on music and has a great collection of sealed LPs. And we work well together because he's an LP guy and I'm a 45 guy. So I figured he'd be a good person to go with. So um, Friday rolled around and um, because of his job, he was running late. So instead of leaving from Laurel, ended up coming back to Frederick um, and parking our car at or parking his car at Wonder Book and Video in Frederick. And we I picked him up and we drove on up to Allentown and um Run up Route 15 all the way to Harrisburg and got on 581, which took us up to 81 and then up to 78. It was about a close to about a three hour drive and the traffic wasn't too bad for a Friday. And uh, we listened to music and talked on the way up. So it was it was a good drive. And I I had chosen a hotel to stay in um, a sleep in that was relatively close to where the show was. Now, the show was actually in a conference center. And I did not get a room there. I got a room at the hotel because I had points. I wanted to use that. And there was a nice diner next door. So we got there about quarter of eight. And um, obviously we're hungry for dinner. So we just checked in really quickly. And then we went over to the diner. It was called the Starlight Diner. And uh, went there because it had a nice variety of food. And we could walk to it. So we ended up at the diner. And a Friday happened to be St. Patrick's Day, and it looked pretty crowded. And as we came in there, it wasn't too bad. There were a lot of people up in the bar area, but we sat back in the restaurant area. And we both decided to get a special they had on the menu. It was salmon, and it was pretty good. And that included our salad and our um, salad bar and the soup. And it turned out to be really good. And we ended up staying there for about an hour, eating and just relaxing after the long drive and a long day at work. And we went back to the hotel. And um, let me back up a little bit. We wanted to get to the show really early because um, obviously when you get to a show, you have the best pickings earlier, the better. And we were told that the show opened at 730 and we were only about 10 miles away. So we had to get up pretty early to get ready. And then I wanted to grab something to eat before I left and went over there. So um, the hotel room was OK. OK. Uh, neither of us slept very well because the beds we were in were just not comfortable. And um, just a quick side note, the NCAA tournament was going on and we found out that the number one seed got beat by the number 16 seed, which never happens. So um, we got up early, um, got up at five. We're ready to roll out of there by about 20 to six. And we walked over to the diner the next morning. And Steve didn't have anything to eat. All he wanted was coffee. I got some eggs and bacon, and we were ready to get out of there by um, 6. So we went back to the room and realized we didn't have to leave quite that early. So we hung out a little bit and watched some of the highlights of the games that were before. And um, so it got closer to the time to leave. We left about 20 minutes to 7 and drove on up there. And I also got a phone call from my other friend, George, and his friend, Jan. And Jan was up from Virginia Beach, originally from the Netherlands, but he's been staying over here for a couple of years. And they're big 45 collectors, and they were going to meet us there at 7. So we get there, and uh, some of the dealers that we already know are already there. And um, the rules were that we had to pay an entrance fee to get in. It was like uh, $25, which we thought was kind of steep, but that's what we have to pay if you wanted to get in there early. Well, actually, one of the dealers had um, probably 80 boxes of 45s and needed a lot of help loading in. So he got us our hands stamped and we didn't have to pay our entrance fee. So we got in with him, um, helping him to load in, and which is what we did. And once we got him all set up and we were in there by 730, uh, a lot of dealers were in there setting up. And it was a pretty large room. And that was the time to really go after and look for stuff before the public came in. And the public was allowed in at 10 o'clock. So we uh, started walking around. We split up, obviously, Steve and I and George and Jan. And um, Jan was pretty much looking at the dollar forty fives at the dealer we helped to come in. And George and I went around the room and Steve went after LPs. And I'm trying to think back and remember. It was quite a blur because it was very uh, busy. And uh, fast moving, and one of the first uh, dealers I hit was a guy from Chicago. Although I didn't know it for, at the time, but he was sworn by people, and I'm thinking that's usually a good sign. And it turned out that several of the people that were at his table were from England, and they were big soul, northern soul collectors. So I knew he had to have good stuff, and sure enough, he did. Very valuable, very expensive records. We're talking two to four hundred dollar records. They were way out of my price range, but it was nice to see them in person. And I was talking to some of the guys that were next to me. I actually found a couple that were more in my price range and I was happy to find them. One of them in particular um, was a copy of Curfew Blues by Jan Bradley. And Jan Bradley was known for her big hit, Mama Didn't Lie from the early 60s. It was on chess, but before that, she was on the formal label out of Chicago and actually, Mama Didn't Lie was also on Formal, but this was her song, Curfew Blues, which is a pretty hard record to find. Wasn't that valuable or wasn't that expensive. I was able to pick it up pretty reasonably, but it was in mint shape. And um, so I was happy to find that. And I picked up a couple other ones on Chicago labels and had some great conversations. And that whole thing took a, probably about an hour. And then I drifted on down and went to another dealer that I'd known from years back who was from Ohio. His name was uh, Pete. And I found some more records there, including a Motown record by Debbie Dean. And she is best known for her answer record to Shop Around called Don't Let Him Shop Around. But this was another one of her hits that was on Motown. And you never see that in the East Coast. It's something you always see other parts of the country. So I had to grab that. And by then the day was starting to, uh, the morning was starting to uh, wind down and it was after 10 and they had let everybody else in. It was getting crowded and it was basically getting hard to look through stuff because you had to stand elbow to elbow with people and people were walking down the aisles and and we were getting kind of tired after being three or four hours there. And I probably came away with maybe, I don't know, 25, 30, 45s. And so I hooked up with Steve again, and we decided to get out of there probably by about 11.30, quarter of 12. And George and Jan, of course, were off on their own. And so we left there, Allentown, at about quarter of 12 and made it back to Frederick by about 3.30 after stopping for lunch. And I'll just briefly talk about that. We found another diner that turned out to be famous. It was the Midway Diner in Bethel, Pennsylvania. And it was built in 1950, and it was a great diner. We sat up at the counter, had a good experience. And on our way out, I happened to look around the corner, and there was this banquet room, and there was something going on in there. We walked in there, and it was some kind of um, German folk um, festival thing going on. And a lot of the words were in German. We weren't sure what it was, but there were a lot of artisans in there, and they were making handmade wooden things and a lot of uh, food. And there was a lady in there baking pies and cookies and everything. So we enjoyed that walking around there and, um, made it back to Frederick by about 3:30. Um, so I was like, Oh, I need to get home and get ready for the next show, which was Arbutus. And that's our monthly show at Baltimore. But this particular show, I decided to buy a table and set up and actually sell some of my doubles. And that's not something I usually do, but, um, that's what I ended up doing. So I said goodbye to Steve and, uh, Made it home in the afternoon and started loading up the car for the next morning and was able to spend some time with my pets and my wife a little bit, and I was pretty tired. So I was getting up again very early in the morning so I could get to the show early. So I ended up getting up at 5 and leaving at 5.30. And uh, one thing about the show was there was no food there, so I actually had to bring some food with me. Otherwise, I would have gone the whole day without eating anything. And that wouldn't have been good, but um, so I was able to get to this show by about 630. And the guy who puts on the show, his name is Frank. He was also up at Allentown, but he was there as well. And I helped him load in and he had a lot of dollar forty fives so like he usually does. So I was able to go through those pretty well. And I found maybe 10 to 15, not a lot this time. And of course, a lot of the other guys, local shoppers that were there were also there. A lot of the people I know since I've been going there so many years and um the other dealer that we helped up in allentown was also there his name was lou so helped him load in and i found where my table was and i started bringing my stuff in probably about 7:30, quarter of eight um i wanted to make sure that i was set up before most of the people got there and i was set up next to um another dealer named jim and I'd known him for years so i had one table And I was sandwiched between him and another guy named Chris who had four tables. And basically I brought maybe four or five boxes of 45s, a box of CDs and a box of LPs and really had no idea what was going to sell and what wouldn't sell. And um, I I basically just wanted to make my table money back and maybe a little extra. So that's all my expectations were. And uh, you know, i got swarmed right away once they find out some of the news there and they haven't seen their stuff i had people looking through my records right away which is a good thing and i probably had my two or three biggest sales within the first hour and the lps and the 45s were selling really well and people were looking at the cds but they hadn't bought any yet so i was thinking hmm, that was interesting maybe i had them priced too high or something so anyway the day Went on and I got to see some people I hadn't seen because normally when I go to the show, I get there real early, like 630, but I'm usually out of there by 10 to 1030. So I'm never around in the afternoon to see who gets there. And for years, I used to set up with my good friend Gary and, and he has not come back to set up since COVID. But we got to know a lot of the customers there and I got to see people I hadn't seen in since COVID because I stayed there so late. One of them being um an old university of maryland professor that i had a class with way back when i was in college and he still comes there he's going to be 80 soon and he travels around the world and um, he just gotten back from the amazon which i thought was a cool trip got a chance to talk to him and several other people another guy who runs a radio station that's owned by wtop and frederick got a chance to talk to him and another gentleman who's a collector who uh, knows somebody at Record Research, which puts out all the all the chart books, so we talked to him. And uh, I did find one of the records that's probably the third or fourth hardest to find if you're a chart collector. And it's called uh, You're Still Near Me, and it's by the Lorelei's. It's on Spotlight. It only charted for one week back in 1958. Extremely hard record to find. I was happy to find that. And um, so I got that. And the other thing I got that was really cool was an Elvis Easter religious picture sleeve with the record called He Touched Me. And for several years, Elvis would put out Easter 45s on Easter themes. And they're much more valuable than his regular releases because, one, they didn't sell as well because they weren't out very long. And they're very collectible. And this one had a picture sleeve. It's called He Touched Me with the bosom of Abraham on the B side. I'd never seen a copy, didn't even own a copy, or the sleeve, so I got both of those for a really good price. So I was happy with both of those records. Ended up with about 30, 45, so it was a good day overall. And like I said, I ended up staying there probably until, I don't know, two was probably it, and it started to die down a little bit, and I'm thinking that might be a good time to pack up and get out of there. And my buddy Steve had left already at 12, and George and Jan did not make it. They were just wiped out from the day before and had other plans. So I ended up loading up the car and getting out of there by about 2 o'clock and back home by 3 or 3.30. So the weekend went by very quickly, very tiring, but very satisfying weekend as far as collecting 45s. And I know I don't usually talk about older music on my podcast, but – One of these days, I will get into that, but um, I know I've been doing the 1980s, and we just started um, 1983, and I'll be picking that up again, I believe, in the month of March next week, but I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk about the two shows, and um, I'm going to try to convert this to a blog. It should be able to be found under Record Ramblings. That's where most of my shows are converted into blogs, and that's on WordPress, Otherwise, this uh, podcast will be where it usually is under Spinning Singles on Spotify. And I just want to thank everybody who's been listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you didn't mind me digressing and going into a different format this time. I just felt like I wanted to talk about the weekend, and uh, it was a very successful weekend as far as music goes. Very tiring, but it was fun. So next week, I will pick up again with March of 1983, and we'll continue with the Top 40 Singles and any ones that hit the Hot 100 that I think uh, meant something to me or I wanted to mention. And eventually I will do the bubbling under charts for Billboard as well once we get towards the end of the year. So that's about it for this week, and I will see you all next week.